This event is sponsored by Toyota North America, the Bear Alliance of Texas, Centerpoint Energy, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas, Philanthropy Advocates, Educate Texas, Gulf States Toyota, Raise Your Hand Texas, AT&T, Texas State University System, HCA Healthcare, University of Texas at Arlington, Idea Public Schools, DoorDash, Texas X's, NRG Energy, and 19th Amendment Centennial Fund. It is supported by the Office of Public Insurance Council, One World Strategy Group, Texas Infrastructure Now, and Fairmont Austin. Media support is provided by Spectrum News. Hi, I'm Patrick Svitek, the primary political correspondent for the Texas Tribune. Thank you for tuning in for our conversation on the Senate agenda as part of, as part of the Texas Tribune Symposium, previewing Texas's 2021 legislative session. I'm joined today by State Senators Jose Menendez, Beverly Powell, Larry Taylor, and Charles Perry. Before we begin, a few words about our panelists today. Senator Menendez, a Democrat from San Antonio, has represented District 26 since 2015. He sits on the Senate Administration, Business and Commerce, Higher Education, Intergovernmental Relations, and Veterans Affairs and Border Security Committees. Previously, he spent 14 years in the State House. Senator Powell, a Democrat from Burleson, has represented District 10 since 2019. She sits on the Senate Education, Health and Human Services, Higher Education, and Natural Resources and Economic Development Committees. Senator Taylor, a Republican from Friendswood, has represented District 11 since 2013. He serves as chair of the Senate Education Committee and sits on the Finance, Higher Education, and Water and Rural Affairs Committees. Previously, Senator Taylor served five terms in the Texas House. Senator Perry, a Republican from Lubbock, has represented District 28 since 2014. He serves as chair of the Senate Water and Rural Affairs Committee and as vice chair of the Health and Human Services Committee. He also sits on the Criminal Justice, Finance, Transportation, and Agriculture Committees. Previously, Senator Perry served two terms in the Texas House. All right, let's get started. Uh, definitely want to talk with you guys about the agenda for the Senate, as the uh, title of this panel suggests. But right now, I think we're all waiting to see how this session is going to look um, in terms of conducting it amid uh, a pandemic that is still uh, very much uh, a serious uh, public health threat. And so I'm curious just to hear from you guys about what your hopes are for the protocols that will be in place to ensure um, that this will be a safe session uh, amid this pandemic. I know that there are working groups that are going through this right now. And, and by the time that this uh, panel uh, is, is posted, they may have some recommendations. But as of today, what are you hoping to see at the Capitol to ensure that this is a safe um, session and it's conducted in a responsible way? And we'll, we'll start alphabetically. So Senator Menendez, I'll give this uh, question to you first. Um, I'm going to try to keep it short. And, and the, the reality is that you, the key word that you kept, you said a couple of times is safe. And, and my hope is that um, we make it uh, a work environment where we can get the job of the people done in, in uh, the most safe and professional way uh, where folks can still have a voice on legislation that they, they're, they're either for or against, uh, but that we don't endanger anyone not any staff, not anybody who works in the Capitol, not any of us, because everyone has a family they want to go to back home to, and they want to make sure they don't take anything with them that could endanger their lives. So safe is the name of the game. And, uh, and that's the top priority for me. Uh, but we also have to get the people's work done because every, we only, we only get into session every two years. And so uh, in my opinion, we can't afford to put things off unless we make a commitment to work some extra sessions. Senator Perry, are there any specific uh, measures that you'd like to see be taken this session? 
Yeah, I think that the consensus is, at least in the conversations I'm having, is we want public testimony to be done in public, that uh, virtual for resource and invited is, is already acceptable. But the actual public side of the testimony, we believe it's important to have those in person. So I think the protocols will be those individuals will be tested before they come into the Capitol. It'll be a, a fairly organized process, we're hoping. Uh, pr- again, protocols and conversations are still ongoing, but I think it's important for the people that need to be there specifically on bills to be able to hear or, or give that testimony in public. So that's one of the protocols that I think is near and dear to my heart specifically. It's hard to have public testimony outside the Capitol, and I think there'd be significant rule changes that would have to impact that staff. You're going to have a brevity in bill hearings. Uh, you're not going to have a lot of bills being heard. I think you're going to have a slow schedule starting out. We've got a new speaker. He's got to set committees and other things, too. So uh, we've got to do redistricting and finance. Those are the two things we need to tackle. You'll see a lot of activity early on that. Uh, and I think most of the redistricting stuff could probably be a virtual format. But when actual hearings on actual bills for public testimony, I would like to see a venue for public to actually come into the Capitol in a safe manner with distancing and testing in place um, to to be able to do that. Senator Powell, what about you? How would you like to see this session uh, conducted given the pandemic? Well, thank you, Patrick, for having me today. And and uh, I agree totally with the comments of both of my here. I think we have a, a good picture of uh, what it looks like to keep the legislature safe. We've had uh, some Senate hearings, and in those, seri- in those hearings, we've been really careful to make sure that everyone that enters the hearing room has been pre-tested and that uh, we keep our distance. We've um, place plexiglass shields between the, the seats on the dais. And um, I personally have felt very safe in that environment. I certainly agree with the comments of uh, Senator Perry that we have some transparency issues to preserve here and that we need to be sure that the public has the opportunity to weigh in and that we've properly heard and vetted the legislation in, in ways that uh, allow us to clearly understand the issues and to understand uh, the thoughts and the beliefs of our constituencies. Um, so far, I feel very comfortable in, in the Capitol building that we're doing everything that we can to protect legislators, and I have confidence moving forward that we will continue to do those things. And Senator Taylor, how do you think this session should be conducted? Any specific measures you'd like to see be taken? I think you've already heard a lot of the the things that will be done uh, as far as the testing and that. You know, my hope is that, well, I I understand it's going to be a little slower to start with at the beginning of session. I don't think we have a lot of chamber days and those types of things uh, as far as large groups coming on the Capitol grounds just to just to make huge visits. Uh, But hopefully as we get more towards the middle and the end of the session, my hope is it would look more uh, like a normal session with vaccines ramping up and that type of things. But you know, that's yet to be seen. We'll see where we are in, in March. Uh, but that would be my hope. I'm an eternal optimist. So I, I'm, I'm hoping it looks more like a normal session towards the end. Because it, you know, it's just going to be very cumbersome for people. They don't just have to come wait in the security line. Now they've got to come and get a test and then go through the security line. And it's it's going to be difficult for our, for our public to be, uh, you know, active participants like they normally are. And I hope we can move beyond that, you know, fairly quickly. But it's it, we'll, we'll have to see 
Uh, on the agenda itself, Senator Perry, you mentioned the budget redistricting. Those are obviously um, things that have to get done this session. Um, and this is a question for all panelists, but I'll start with you, uh, Senator Perry. To you and to your districts, what are the top two or three you know, priorities that they want to see you get done this session at the Capitol? What's at the top of your individual uh, agendas? And, and Senator Perry, I'll start with you. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, rural Texas was, I think, once again, highlighted some of the shortfalls, specifically in broadband, which ties into education, which ties into healthcare. care. Uh, specifically in my district, my 51 counties were 38 of them were less than 10,000 people. I am the rural guy, if you will. Uh, health care. Senate Bill 170 was passed last session, which finally codified that our rural health care should be re- reimbursed at cost on Medicaid. Uh, the budget's going to be tight, but that has to be a priority to keep those rural health care hospitals in place. Broadband, no doubt. This is a session with hopefully federal dollars coming forward, as I understand, and the meetings I've had and the drafting of a broadband report and the report that was authored by a bill last year that I put out. Uh, we've got to get broadband done, and there's a way and a process to do that. So rural broadband connectivity to, to where all these health care, education, and other things can occur. Um Water-wise, we've got uh, a huge produced water bill that will hopefully set the stage for a conversation of not letting 33 million acre-feet of water in our Permian Basin go to waste. It can become a potable supply. Water's always an important thing west of I-35. And then lastly, we've got an 1115 waiver. Uh, 2021, we lose about $6 billion of disrupt money. And if we wait and go another till 22 when it's set to expire, if we don't get it renewed, uh, that's another $6 billion in uncompensated care. Those are both huge critical components to healthcare delivery in our rural uh, Texas. So those are my priorities. Those are my district's priorities, but they're truthfully state priorities because when your rural people can't get healthcare, education, and teleconnected, then the whole state is, suffers from it. And just I remind people, we have ag and we have oil and gas production they have probably the top two out of the top five uh, impacts on the state budget. So those are what I'm coming to the session to talk about. The 1115 waiver is currently being asked for renewal. It's on an expedited trail. I believe hopefully we will have some response on what that waiver renewal looks like before we leave session. Um, with or without that, we, we need to have some conversations on what that might look like. Got it. Senator Powell, uh, what tops your agenda for this session? You know, the thing that I hear the most about Patrick is that we make sure that we preserve the funding that we uh, placed for education in the last session with HB3. So I hear a lot from our superintendents, a lot from families that they want to be sure that we do everything we can in the face of uh, diminished budget in this cycle to be sure that we preserve that funding for public education. And then uh, second, I'm, I'm very appreciative to the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick for having amended our higher education uh, charges in the interim to have us focus on workforce development, reskilling and upskilling the workforce. I think that that is paramount to how we Uh, economically recover in the state of Texas post-COVID. And certainly we are going to be focused in higher education on making sure that we incentivize uh, adult learners and making sure that our institutions are prepared uh, to reskill and upskill the workforce for post-COVID-19 jobs. Beyond that, I think that we will also be looking at opportunities to expand healthcare coverage 
in a state that has the most um, the largest population of uh, uninsured Texans. So we we are focused very much now on considering what that's going to look like, considering what the alternatives are for us to be able to expand healthcare opportunities. Want to get to Senator Taylor next, but on that same topic, we had an audience question on this. So I'll just I'll give it to you, Senator Powell. There was someone a reader wanted to know about the chances of Medicaid expansion this session. So just briefly, are you more optimistic this session than last session about that? Have has the political landscape on that changed at all to you? I think it has changed, and yes, I'm extremely optimistic about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, we, uh, my colleagues and I, are talking about this uh, every every week. It's time for us to consider taking down those federal dollars to make sure that we get Texans covered. When you consider the fact that we have the highest number of uninsured folks in the nation, when we have the highest number of uninsured children in the nation, it is time for us to start to be very pragmatic and very com- take a common sense approach to how we cover the healthcare needs of Texans. And I think this is the time that we have the best opportunity to get that done. Thank you. Uh, Senator Taylor, going back to the original question I asked, what are some of the priorities that you're carrying into this session? Well, I would concur with my fellow education uh, committee member, uh, Senator Powell. Uh, we, we made transformative changes in House Bill 3 last session, both funding as well as some innovations. And we want to go back and make sure we protect those. Uh, I, like I talked to some of my superintendents, we put a lot of that in formula. So we, that's the best uh, protection we could get for future sessions that it stays in there. But we want to make sure we take care of that. Um, you know, and another big project that's really in my area, but it actually affects the whole state is a storm barrier uh, for, for hurricane storm surge protection. And, you know, we made some progress on that last session. We've got to put together a local sponsor this session. So when the federal project does get approved <laughs> at the federal level, we're ready to go. And I think that's going to happen probably next year. We'll get the, the federally uh, preferred plan. And so we want to be prepared this session for when that happens, be ready to go with that. Because that's and I say it's in my area, but it affects the whole state because it's such an economic engine with the petrochemical complexes, the ports and those types of things. Make sure we protect those. We ha- we actually have the largest petrochemical complex in the world, and it's totally unprotected right now from hurricane storm surge uh, damage. Versus, you know, think of the, the environmental damage, one, with all those petrochemical complexes, uh, but the the envir- the uh, economic damages as well. It would ripple throughout this. It wouldn't ripple. It would send waves. In fact, we've had time when the port was closed down for just a few days, and it, it affected the the east coast of the United States. So this is not just even a state issue. It's a it's a federal uh, issue for our economy and for our national security. Got it. And finally, Senator Menendez, what what are the issues that are at the top of your agenda for this upcoming session? Well, you know, I was I was listening to Senator Perry talk about his rural hospitals and the issues that they're having in 1115 waiver and then the access to broadband. I was thinking that, you know, the issue with the digital divide, so many of the issues that are plaguing rural Texas are the same things that are plaguing inner, inner city Texas. Uh, we have those same concerns. Uh, and then, you know, listening to my good friend Senator Powell talk about uh, the population of an insured, you know, it's only grown. I think we're at 29% of the population of Texas without insurance and, and a medical home. And I think if anything, this pandemic has really uh, exacerbated the need for people to have a medical home. It's exacerbated the need for us to have uh, available hospital beds. 
And so I think it's time that we we stop, you know, having to 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 go back to the feds for a for a request for a waiver. I think it's time for us to say uh, we want to be a part of the solution, the overall solution, and we need to expand uh, and and whatever we want to call it in terms of how we expand it, access to healthcare for all Texans, whatever the heck it wants. To, I don't care the name. The issue is that. People need to have a medical home where they can have a primary physician so they're not using their emergency room as a primary care doctor. And we can get it done in a way so that we can reduce the amount of uncompensated care. And, and, and really, at the end, it's going to be the right thing to do from, from all Texans, and it's going to be the most cost-efficient thing to do as well. So I'd like us to, to fix that once and for all. I think, too, we have to look at uh, wrapping up COVID relief. Uh, I know many of our school districts especially the older ones in the inner city are having to retool their HVAC systems, whether it be filters or others, so as not to spread the virus throughout this whole school. If some, one person has it in one room, one superintendent told me their, their new filtration system is going to be another extra million that they didn't have uh, in their in their budget. Uh, I think we need to look at business, small business owners and, and people you know that filed Texas workers' uh, compensation claims any claim that, that's a legitimate claim, we need to make sure that it's been taken care of. I know that we're sitting on $3 billion that needs to be either spent or allocated, I think, this month. And, and I hope that we get that done because the COVID slide's huge and we need to address it. And finally, uh, medical cannabis is something that I've, I've been talking about for years. I, I filed the first bill in 2015. I'd like it to finally get where uh, I believe Senator Campbell and Senator and Senator the two docs uh, that Schwartner that last session we were ready to let doctors and the patients mm-hmm. make the decision. For most of all things in Texas, we respect our constituents enough to make the decisions that they think are best for their health. We need to do the same when it comes to cannabis therapies, and I think it would be the right thing to do for them, and it'd be the right thing too also for our, our economy. Thank you very much. And Senator Mendez just uh, kind of spoke to my next question, got a little detailed about it. I know some of you already touched on it, but when it comes to this pandemic, there are obviously multiple levels on which Texans have been affected, are being affected, whether it's their health, their jobs, uh, how they're being educated. And so I would pose the question to you guys, just what do you think the legislature can do to provide relief or help on any of those fronts going into this uh, session. I know Senator Menendez just talked about this uh, at length, but Senator Powell, I'll start with you. Um, what, what can the legislature do for folks who are being affected by this pandemic on those on those different levels? You know, I think we can look back to the Great Depression that began in 2008 and, and see how we overcame uh, the economic barriers after the Depression. And that was through educating our workforce and preparing the workforce for the new jobs that would exist post-Depression era. And it's going to be the same this time. We are going to have a whole cadre of new careers that are available for folks that have lost their jobs during this COVID crisis. And not only do we have the COVID crisis, but we also have that compounding Uh, effect of the oil and gas industry and the cost of of oil per barrel. So I believe that what we're going to see is a reskilling of our workforce in ways that create new opportunities for people, whether that's in renewable energy sources or whether it's in in new high-tech jobs. We are seeing lots of great companies that are coming to Texas to set up their businesses and establish a workforce. And I think it's really important that we prepare our workforce so that we are attractive 
to businesses coming in. And I also think that we're going to have the opportunity to talk again about Chapter 313, economic development incentives. Those kinds of things are uniquely important during a recovery period. And so I think that if we can get focused on jobs, if we can get focused on reskilling and upskilling the workforce, and if we can stay focused on economic development and providing the kinds of incentives that make companies want to move to Texas, that those things will help us spur the economy. I also think that um, pandemics are probably here to stay for some time, which means that we're going to see new jobs pop up in, in healthcare and in research and development for PPE that uh, keeps our people safe. So let's, let's prepare our workforce around those jobs and, and set up our educational institutions to be able to meet the needs of the new uh, careers that will exist. Senator Taylor, what kind of COVID relief do you think the legislature could, could tackle this session? Well, as far as the workforce, you know, our community colleges play a, a huge role and, and providing those up skills and that for people to change jobs and change careers. <laughs> and generally, our community colleges uh, enrollment increases during downturns in the economy. They, they run countercyclical to the rest of it. But, but the, I think that one of the biggest things we could do as a legislature is preserve a, a, a good business environment where companies want to be and want to hire those employees that were getting trained up. And I, you know, by keeping our taxes low, keeping our regulations reasonable, those types of things, we have some other states that are not doing those things, and we're benefiting from those bad actions that they're making in those other states. So I think we want to preserve that and keep that going in Texas so we can continue to thrive like we've been doing now for, you know, the number one place to do business, what, for like eight years in a row, according to one magazine. Of course, we've been leading for 10 to 15 years. I just want to make sure we continue to do that and stay on that path. We know it works. It's a, a winning policy. I'll just tell you on the budget, you know, this we're going to have a tough budget, uh, but we've been here before. And, and we did it by not raising taxes and, you know, um, spending what we had. And, and you know, in some cases, we had to reduce some of our spending in some areas, but we, we, we matched up the budget. We had to have a balanced budget by the next session. And, and I hope we will follow that same playbook as well. Got it. Senator Perry, um, what kind of uh, COVID relief do you think the legislature could address this session? So I think... Senator Taylor said it best. We've got a playbook on this. We've been here before. We always recover quicker for the decisions we've made in the past. Not a lot of reason to change off that. Specifically to COVID, we need to provide a liability shield for employers that did everything right but still had employees or someone get sick uh, at no fault of their own. They should not be ran through a, uh, a legal system that takes advantage of COVID-19. So you'll see liability uh, per shields provided at the state level, the federal government doesn't get that done, and I think it's important we do that. Unemployment, we have spent a whole lot of money and borrowed a whole lot of money to pay unemployment claims in this state. People don't understand, but we borrowed to do that, and that payback will be based on the employer's backs of an increase in tax rates. I think that's been moved out to 22 uh, We need to find ways through use of some of the unused COVID dollars to mitigate having to raise taxes on those unemployers. In that vein, we need to have a chargeback protection to where employees that did lose their job through COVID-related matters, I think there's already conversation, if not already done, to where they're not getting their unemployment claims charged back to those employers that were hit with COVID. Again, no fault of their own. They shouldn't be punished going forward 
So some of the things are a little bit beyond the session that have the impact that we'll have no knowledge of until it's too late. So we need to be cognizant of those preemptive measures. And I think it's something that we can get done pretty easy. Those are not controversial subjects. Uh, they're common sense. And it provides that business-friendly environment to say, we're not going to punish you for being in Texas for things that you didn't have control of specifically. And I think that just encourages more economic incentives for people to be here, come here. I think the governor said in a conference call the other day, we had 196 people on the list wanting to come to Texas and bring businesses, even during the COVID. So we just need to stay status quo on what we've been doing and that we've got the success. But uh, I think those are the two or three top issues that face small business employers today that we need to be uh, prepared to address. Thank you very much. We have just a few minutes left here. So I want to try to get to some uh, reader questions that we had submitted. Uh, one of them is related to what we were just asking uh, about. And this will just be a jump ball question if anyone wants to answer it. Uh, Aurora asks, in order to save thousands of small businesses from closure, will the state be voting on any aid packages this session? Anyone can, anyone can grab it. I think there's some COVID guess, dollars uh, that... You know, I, I can jump right. in there. I think there's some COVID dollars that hasn't been used, and, and the disposition of those is still somewhat up in the air. I think the feds, at a minimum, are going to give us some flexibility. Yet. So I'd answer it this way. In the budget we're going to find ourselves in, which I believe is not near as doom and gloom as what some of the people out there are saying. We, I live through 11. We've got so many more tools coming into this budget session. So I'm not as down on the budget coming into this session as some people. But specifically, once that flexibilities granted under those COVID dollars, I would anticipate some business support. And it may be through community colleges and other things, but uh, until we have, a, we don't have extra program money. So I would not want to set an expectation that state's going to go out and provide it. It may be available, but uh, in this budget, we've got to rely on what we have access. And to date, we have federal COVID dollars, expectation of flexibility being granted that may could be used in some of those conversations. Thank you, Senator Perry. And we'll just squeeze in one last reader question here before we run out of time. Uh, Glenda asks, what are the chances of getting significant legislation done to make voter registration and voting easier this session? We obviously just saw uh, an election where a lot of voting rights issues were front and center. So uh, anyone want to answer that question? I've filed some bills already. I think we need to make voting by mail uh, accessible to anybody who wants to do it. We have many states uh, uh, conservative ones and, and progressive ones that have uh, opted to do that. I think uh, the whole state of Utah does it. Um, I, I, I think the voting by mail is, is shown that it can be done safely and securely. And um, I also agree that we're not finished with these, these pandemics going forward. And so we need to be thinking about how do we better prepare for the future uh, whenever something like this pops up again so that we don't have this protracted of, a, of, a, of an expense uh, and, and, a, and a complete dis disruption of our way of life. And I think through research and development, we've got some labs and we've got the expertise in this state that we can figure out a way to be better prepared for the next one. Thank you, Senator Menendez. And, and I, with that, we are out of time. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna add that, you know, we, we can look at some of those you know, voting by mail expansion, but uh, I think most people really wanna make sure that they're, it's done properly. Some of those states that do more vote by mail, they've, they've taken several years to get to where they are. It's not like you just flip a switch. It is a process to go through. We want to make sure our elections are secure, that people know their votes are being counted. So that'll be part of that process as well. 
Got it. Thank you so much to everyone. With that, we are out of time. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thank you to Senators Menendez, Powell, Taylor, and Perry for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Be safe. Thank you, guys.